So, at the end of last episode, I left y'all off on a bit of a cliffhanger on why I'm calling bullshit on laziness and how we define laziness. So, I'm going to explore that concept and we'll get to it more at the end because we've got to start out with some precursors. So I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on my argument against behavioral therapy and why we need to look at the root cause for behaviors such as laziness. And we're going to be exploring more deeply the difference between an internal and external locus of control. And we'll finish up on the discussion about laziness. So, let's get started. Hi, my name's Heather, and welcome to Covered in Tahini, where we explore all things that are covered in tahini. Mm, Sandwiches, falafel, french fries, when you pour tahini on top of hummus. Me. You. Aren't we all covered in tahini sometimes? Unless you have a sesame seed allergy, well then, please be warned. But if not, welcome. Again, I am Heather, and this is Covered in Tahini. So I wanted to start off by giving a more succinct definition of what behavioral therapy is and oh my god I just realized I left my chai in the kitchen so I have got to go get that (laughs) as I do that I recommend that you drink something and I (laughs) say that and I say drink something and I actually get that from one of my favorite podcast hosts ever Uh, she is the podcast host of uh, uh, Revolution Ramblings is the name of it. Her name's Amber Khan. She also has YouTube videos and she's just incredible. And I always love (laughs) when she says drink something because I'll be listening to her podcasts and I will just be so enthralled with everything she's saying. And I kind of forget that I'm in reality for a second. And she says, drink something. And it's like, oh, yeah, like I have a body. I need to to drink something. <laughs> so it gets me from this really airy headspace down to this more grounded level. Um, and I think podcasts can kind of just make people in this airy headspace because it's very much thought orientated and not so body orientated. So uh, when I drink something, I will say the same to you and, you know, I make suggestions, you make decisions. <laughs> I always say that. I'm actually a yoga teacher and will say that as a yoga teacher. Um, so I guess that's a kind of the same principle. I make suggestions, you make decisions for what feels good for you. Okay, so just organizing myself here and what I wanted to get into was a definition of behavioral therapy. So 
From a quick Google search, the first thing that popped up, other than the ads, was a health line. And they say, what is behavioral therapy? So this is healthline.com. They give a little bit of a definition. And it is as follows. Behavioral therapy is an umbrella term for types of therapies that treat mental health disorders. This form of therapy seeks to identify and help change potentially self-destructive or unhealthy behaviors. It functions on the idea that all behaviors are learned and that unhealthy behaviors can be changed. The focus of treatment is often on current problems and how to change them. Okay. So, great definition. Thank you so much, Healthline. Okay. (laughs) So, let's get into that and break that down. So, it seeks to identify and help change potentially self-destructive or unhealthy behaviors. That sounds awesome. Um, So, let's just give the example of somebody who might have an eating disorder. So, the behavior that is potentially self-destructive would be, let's say, binge eating. So, they're constantly overeating and they, they can't help but to overeat. So that is the potentially self-destructive or unhealthy behavior that we're outlining. So that is seek to identify. So we've identified and then to change it. So how we change it goes into the next sentence. Uh, It functions on the idea that all behaviors are learned and that unhealthy behaviors can be changed. Okay. And okay, so then the focus of the treatment is on the current problem and how to change it. So the focus on the treatment is going to be on the binge eating itself. And uh, yeah, that all ideas are learned and unhealthy ideas can be changed. Okay, I completely agree that unhealthy behaviors can be changed. I don't necessarily know where they're coming from when they say all behaviors are learned. So did your parent or sibling or whatever need to be a binge eater in order for you to be a binge eater, for the client X to be a binge eater? I would say probably not. Um, I don't see how that would exactly line up. I'm not exactly sure what they mean by learned, but okay, okay. So then the part that I really disagree with is the focus of the treatment is often on the current problem and how to change them. So the reason I disagree with this so fucking strongly is uh, because I believe that behaviors are not the problem. In fact, the behaviors can even be saving someone's life at some point. The behaviors are the solution. The behaviors are the solution to the problem that's underneath. And what I mean by that is the behavior is not the cause of the problem, if that makes sense. The binge eating is being done because it's helping suppress something else. There's something underneath that binge eating that needs to be addressed. And behavioral therapy just doesn't really get into that. So going back to our example with the binge eating, if the binge eating is the symptom, 
the important thing is not healing the symptom. The important thing is to heal what is underneath that. So let's say our patient, we can call her Ellen. So let's say Ellen's parents were very Christian, religious, and very dogmatic in the sense of, you know, sexuality is bad, save yourself for marriage, etc., etc. Nonetheless, as Ellen got older, she began to experience her body and subconsciously feel these really intense desires but they were super bad and shameful and she if she did feel these ways then she thought of herself as a bad person as a as a bad woman so what she would do is to suppress those feelings and those desires of sexuality that she deemed and was programmed as to be so bad what she did was overeat. She binge eat to push those feelings down and to suppress those feelings of sexuality. Plus, it was a double win for that part because then she was gaining weight. And when she was gaining weight, she didn't feel as comfortable in her skin, which made her feel less sexual. So, what I am saying needs to be addressed is these underlying root causes. What needs to be addressed is uh, the, the shame around her sexuality. Because if the shame around the sexuality is not addressed, well then her eating disorder is never really going to be healed. And that is something that is so commonly said in the field of eating disorders is that you can never really heal them. You're always going to be in recovery from them. You're always going to have to work. I think that's such bullshit and it pisses me off (laughs) because I don't think it's true. Because what's being done in the field right now is people are treating the symptoms. People are treating the overeating as if that were the problem. That's not the problem. What's wrong is she doesn't feel comfortable in her own skin. She doesn't feel comfortable with a huge aspect of herself, her sexuality. So then she overeats because that that pushes that feeling down so she doesn't feel those urges and those desires. She's able to manage and cope with these uncomfortable feelings. And at one point in her life, this might have been a really adaptive coping strategy because maybe when she was... 14 years old and living with her parents, maybe if she would have acted on her sexual desires or expressed them to her family, maybe they would have disowned her or stopped loving her or thinking she's bad, etc. So those behaviors at first might have been really helpful. But then of course it reaches a point where It just spirals out of control and the root really needs to be addressed. So continuously addressing these symptoms as is done in behavioral and CBT work, it's not going to lead to fundamental healing. I, I I really don't believe that it will.
So I believe that what needs to be done is this deep dive and this look at different motivations for why different behaviors even started in the first place and why this coping strategy is necessary and was necessary and then working at the root. So a therapy session with Ellen, instead of focusing on, oh, why are you binging? Oh, when you feel like you need a binge, squeeze your hands and release your hands, etc., etc., etc. Instead of working with that, and, we, and some of that is good, you know, some of that is good. But what a really amazing and transformational session with Ellen might look like is talking about what what feel well first of course discovering that the sexuality is at the root of it for her and then asking her what feelings come up when she feels these sexual urges and desires and how that feels and working with the shame that comes up from that So noticing how the sexuality feels in her body and then also noticing the voice and the part of her that's shaming her and telling her she's bad because she's feeling this way. So (laughs) that is my first qualm with behavioral therapy. So first is that it truly treats the symptoms rather than the root and then the next qualm is what I'll be getting into now. So as I mentioned in the previous episode behavioral therapy essentially uses tools and tricks that make one orient towards their external environment and access an external locus of control rather than tools that help them dive into themselves and see what they feel called and inspired to do and therefore have an internal locus of control. So I want to share a brief story about myself that is uh, necessary for me to share to make this understandable. So for me and like so many other people within my educational career, when I was uh, a kid and young in my educational career, I quickly picked up on the fact that if I did well in school, I got a lot of reward from that. I got a lot of love from that. I got love and praise from my parents. I got acceptance from my sisters. I got acceptance from my peers, praise from my teachers. It felt really good. It was a really nice reward. So slowly and gradually, I started orientating to this external locus of control, this external reward that was driving me to do well in school. So it was all of a sudden now about getting good grades so that I could be accepted and loved by my family, friends, teachers, you name it, and get this external reward from that. And it became less and less about what I was learning to the fact that I didn't really care. 
Like, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I got a good grade, though. Like, I don't remember anything in that class. Oh, my God. That was the most common thing I heard uh, during my undergrad was, oh, yeah, I don't remember anything. Like, (laughs) now that the test is over, everything just leaves my mind. Like, that is so problematic because we spend so much time and energy on school and the fact that we don't even care what we're learning about and it will just go right through us is so problematic. So that was also my uh, problem with behavioral therapy. And I just, oh, I just wanted to read a little paragraph that I wrote for my class that talked about all of the different types of therapies. And we had to write reaction papers to them. So this is just one little paragraph that kind of describes this qualm. All right, here we go. My concern with this type of therapy is that it truly uses tricks and tools to enhance the function of the individual. While this may improve the symptoms, it is hard for me to understand how this kind of therapy can promote deep and fundamental healing. I expressed in the class that this top I expressed in the class on this top on this topic how operant conditioning has been a primary motivator within my educational career. The satisfaction and acceptance, reward, that I found from getting a good grade pushed me to work hard and achieve success. However, I did so with much strain and resistance as this external motivation drowned out my inherent desire to learn, grow, and naturally become the best version of myself. So while there was external success by society's standards, my internal state was focused on production and success rather than joy, passion, and ease. Visually, it was as if there was a slave driver inside my head whipping me to do better, achieve more, and be successful. Now I am working on accessing my natural desire to learn and be the best version of myself by removing any of these external rewards. Even as I write this paper, I am not so focused on writing the best possible paper to impress you and ultimately pass this class and become a counselor. Rather, I am focused on the present moment and natural joy and exhilaration of having a rich and fulfilling life of the mind. And boy, is the feeling state of these two experiences so different. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, yes, I hope you can see the importance of having an internal locus of control Versus having an external one. And it brings me to my uh, next point that I promised to talk about in the last episode, which is this myth that we have around laziness. So it's the idea that if there weren't these external rewards of Uh, receiving praise from our parents and from society for getting good grades, then we wouldn't try in school. We wouldn't try to get the good grades at all. I think that's a whole bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Because I think we do all have this internal desire to have a rich and fulfilling life of the mind and 
if we don't have such a strong desire for that, we do 100% have the desire for evolution. So maybe your life path isn't to have a rich, fulfilling life with the mind. Maybe that doesn't feel good to you. Kind of, I don't know if anyone would be in that boat, but perhaps. What if you had different ways of evolving, a different calling? So, so many people struggle to figure out their purpose or what they're good at. And that's because we've been trained from such a young age to orient our actions and what we do from this external locus of control, which makes doing these things extremely fucking difficult. As I outlined in uh, that paragraph, it felt like like literally like I was forcing myself to to do the schoolwork. I felt like there was a slave driver in my head saying, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And I think that's such bullshit. Because I wanted to do it. Like, I read all of the time just for pleasure. Just because I enjoy it. But why do I find it so hard to read these books that I'd have to read anyway because I have to do it for school? It's because I'm orientated towards this external locus of control when I have to do it. But when I'm doing it just because of the joy of being in that moment and following my heart and doing that, it's so easy to do. There's not that huge amount of resistance. And when there is resistance, which there is sometimes, then I, I touch in with that resistance and work on healing that resistance. Which I can, I can touch more about in a second. But first, I really just wanted to hone in on this point that it's so important for you to touch in with who you are and with what you want and why you want the things you want and why are you doing the things that you are doing. Is it for some external reward or is it because you really want to do it? And it's going to be much easier to accomplish things when you really want to do something than when you feel forced to do it. You're either flowing with the stream of the universe. The universe is going to guide and support you when you're flowing down this stream of what is right for you versus when you're swimming up the stream of this external locus of control and you're swimming so fucking far away from yourself. You're being, you can't possibly be authentic. It's probably going to be really fucking painful on the way too. So what what do you do about this? Well, one of my favorite sayings is little by little and then all at once, which essentially is the energy of so many things, it seems like. And little by little, you touch in with your heart. Uh, little by little, you change the story from I have to to I want to from 
for me, it was from I have to write this paper to I want to explore my mind. I want to enrich my life with this information. I get to write this. And a butterfly just flew by my window. So, little by little making these shifts, turning around, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're swimming in the same direction of the water, and everything lines up. It feels so much easier, and it's so fucking joyful. So, in addition to that, I wanted to talk about resistance, which contributes to this myth of laziness. So, my, my statement for the myth of laziness so far is essentially that we're flowing upstream. So, of course, it's going to be really hard to get out of bed. It's going to be really hard to do these things because we're not doing them because we want to do them. We all naturally want to evolve. We all naturally want to grow and enliven our lives. And it's touching in with that natural desire, with those animalistic instincts that's within each and every one of us that is going, that's completely eradicates laziness. Laziness derives its power from one wanting to do things for the external world, wanting to achieve success to be good, wanting to help others to be a good. (laughs) Kind of funny, right? Um, We can help others because we just naturally want to, but we can also help others because we want to be good. So it gets really subtle here because we can be doing the same actions, but it's just about why we are doing them and the energy that we are doing them with. And that is why a higher level of consciousness is required. And that's where the higher level of consciousness is going to evolve is when you touch into yourself and ask yourself and get become more aware of why you are doing the things you are doing and the emotion behind it. And it's not about judging it for being right or wrong. It's just about noticing and shifting. So now I want to talk about resistance and when that comes up, even when you are following your internal locus of control, because it still does. So you can be swimming down, (laughs) this is a great analogy, you can be swimming down the flow of the river and there's still going to be a rock here and a rock there. Sometimes you might see the rock, swim right on by it. Sometimes you might hit the rock and be stuck on the rock for a week. a a year could throw you out of the water entirely (laughs) so there's you can still be flowing down into downstream within this internal locus of control world and run into resistance these rocks 
and these rocks are really profoundly beautiful. <laughs> I love these rocks <laughs> because these rocks are opportun they're they're signifying that we have trauma in in some area. And running into these rocks gives us the opportunity to heal from the trauma and keep flowing downstream a little bit faster, a little bit smoother. There's less rocks in the way once we heal these traumas. So let me think of a good example and how this shows up in my life. So I'm feeling really, really passionate and really, really inspired to start my own business. And I'm working on several of these different options and spending a lot of time doing so. And I'm really, really enjoying it. And I also want to say this is my, the first time in my life that I'm doing this after really committing to following my internal locus of control, I'm finally swimming down this river. Every other time in my life, it's it's been so hard for me to be a self-starter and do what I want to do because I'm searching for this external anything, you know? I didn't even know what I wanted. I, I find it, I'm a really bad swimmer upstream. I have a really hard time swimming upstream. <laughs> and following external the external so it's like I really struggled to make my own business before because I just I didn't really know what I was guided and called to do because I was so focused on the external and I couldn't force myself to to start up anything which is what I've always wanted to do. I've always known that I have a very creative business mind and that's the direction that I want to go in. But I've always find it, found it so challenging to actually access these parts. So now I'm swimming downriver and I'm running into these rocks when it comes to creating this business. So for example... Drink something. I'm gonna drink some of my my chai. You guys, this is so good. Oh my goodness! It's an iced chai. I made uh my own mac nut milk, which is the first time I've ever done that. I usually make almond milk, but I made a mac nut milk, and then it's the blue lotus star anise chai. It is so good. And I make it iced with some maple syrup. Amazing. So I'm running into these rocks. And these rocks show up in all different shapes and sizes. And the most important thing to do when I run into the rock 
is not to resist it. It's not to, ah, 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 I'm so scared of it. It's to relax into it and to feel it and to be soft with it. Maybe that's not actually what you would want to do with a real life rock. <laughs> but with these metaphorical rocks, it's connecting with it, feeling it, and taking it with me because it's a part of myself. And what that's actually going to do, it's going to allow this stream of consciousness, it's like another stream is going to be flowing in the river downstream from that rock. You're adding more into your stream of consciousness. That's more energy. That's more connection with source, connection with the present moment. So when you're able to connect and love on a rock, that other stream is going to come right in. When you push the rock away and say, "Ugh, no, get out of here. I hate all these rocks. No other stream's going to get in here. So... What I'm really wanting to say is these rocks are part of our shadow and part of our trauma. So one that's common for people that comes up is like I'm not good enough. So let's roll with that example. So you're wanting to start your own business and you just find you can't do it. And then, you know, you dive into yourself and ask yourself, why can't I spend the energy to focus on this? I know I really want to build this business. I feel really called and inspired to do so, but I can't sit down and actually do it. Okay, so let's dive in to why. Okay, so you ask yourself, why can't I sit down? And what you find is you feel like you're not enough to start the business. So, you connect with that part of yourself as if it were a child. Because that's where you first got that message. Surprise! So, you connect with that part of yourself as if it were a little infant or a two-year-old or a four-year-old or whatever age feels right for you. And you hold it and you let it feel the way it feels. Because essentially what trauma is, is so imagine where when we're first born before any traumas, we've got this big stream of consciousness and then a trauma happens and that stream splits. Another trauma happens, splits again, splits again, to all of a sudden we just have this little itty bitty stream of consciousness. So, with that trauma that happened that made you feel like you were not good enough, probably multiple for that one because that's a big one, but it's a stream of consciousness that split off. 
from your stream. So, it's all about connecting with when that first happened and feeling that emotion because that emotion got stuck stuck because it was never allowed to process through. So connecting with that emotion and loving it as if it were a child and being 100% unconditionally present with it, not trying to fix it or change it, but just loving it. And that is what is going to ultimately make that stream of consciousness enter back into your your conscious stream and slowly but surely you're going to find that you have the energy you have the focus you have the ability to build that business or to do whatever you need or want to do what you feel inspired and called to do So, that is why laziness is a myth. For those two reasons. Because we're following external locus of control. We're swimming upstream. Of course things are going to be really fucking difficult and you're not going to fucking want to get out of bed if you're swimming upstream all day every day. Things aren't going to feel good. (laughs) Going to be fucking sore. Of course you're going to need to lay down. So reason number one, and then reason number two is when even when we are swimming downstream, we run into these rocks. We run into these resistances. And when we do, it's an opportunity to connect with ourselves. It's not, we're not trying to grab onto this rock and drag it down with us. You know, no, I I said we have to do it anyway. We're starting this business. I'm inspired to do it. We're doing it. I don't care if you don't feel good enough. <laughs> no, it's it's saying I understand that you're feeling this way. And it's okay and it's valid to feel whatever you are feeling and I love you and I'm here for you. And I will be here however long you need until you feel comfortable to come along with me and that might even change the direction of the river and that's okay it might be from starting this business to starting that business you know it might change the direction of the stream once you hear what these parts have to say and they hold a lot of wisdom and a lot of information about yourself so All in all, I truly do believe that laziness is a myth. And that's all I've got for today. My name is Heather, and this is Covered in Tahini. Thank you.